Good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming today. I have to start off uh, our service with a little bit of a confession today. Time for pastor to make a confession. I lost the battle with the communion element cup. Anybody with me? Anybody ever lose that one? I think it's more mangled than possible. I finally extricated uh, the bread out in the back, had a pickaxe and finally got it out. So just to let you know, there's, uh, uh, we're all struggling with it. We're trying to make it work. Hey, I want to give you an invitation uh, to consider uh, this. Is one of the things that you would know about our church if you've been around here for any amount of time is uh, that we have a really high value on connecting to heaven uh, with prayer and worship. And uh, we love worship, we love prayer, and, and I've always felt a, like a sense of call to prayer in my life, as a, even as a brand new believer. And it's kind of, it's been in the life of our church for years and years, and uh, we're just in a season right now where part of our prayer life for our church is uh, to have a 15-minute prayer time, uh, 8.45 to 9 before first service, 10:45 to 11 for this service, and uh, you know the first service is quite a few less people than this service, but quite a bit more uh, people who show up to pray than this service, and uh, they just wanted me to let you know that they're winning, <laughs> and that you're not. Um, but no, but I actually I, I want you to I want you to think about this for a moment, if you would, please. Um, I'm asking you to come and be a part of that prayer time. There's, I think there's a couple of things that can be a part of that. One is there's never been in history uh, a massive move of God uh, that wasn't preceded by a prevailing prayer. And so uh, I'm, I, like, I love having church services, but I'm definitely m more interested in having a move of God than just having church services. So I love the fact that you're coming but, but, uh, but I also want to invite you into contributing to being a part of something that's beyond just attending a service on Sunday. And so let's lean in. We got about six weeks till Easter. Uh, that would be a good kind of pattern for you to, to lean into this and come at 1045 and pray with us for 15 minutes. Uh, I think one of the other aspects of having us pray together is that we are, we are getting ourselves ready for church, and we are getting our heart ready to worship God because I know what it's like. Um, some of you guys show up on time, and others do not, and uh, and so you come in, and it's first song, second song, and the truth is, it may take you so long to get yourself ready uh, in your heart, in your spirit, to worship God that we're missing a massive worship moment together. And there's something about that time where you just sort of focused in and you, and you shut out the week and you've prayed and you sought after God for a few moments. Um, and you might say, well, Pastor, I have kids. Bring your kids and teach your kids that the house of God is a house of prayer and watch them grow, watch them get a hold of it. So can I invite you to be a part of that? And if I'm your pastor, I'm asking you to, to be a part of this pre-service prayer time that we have. Uh, we won't do it forever. Uh, it's a season, and we're going to do it until the Holy Spirit says stop. But uh, I would like for you to be a part of that. Amen. 
Very cool. I'm glad that you're here today because um, I love talking about the goodness of God. And uh, we're, we're, uh, we're in a series of messages uh, about leaning in to the goodness of God. Our ushers are going to hand out um, some little bracelets for you just to, just to wear and, and to keep on your wrist as a reminder through the week as you go through uh, your week to lean in to God's goodness. And uh, I started this last week. If you didn't hear that message, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to it. Or if you heard it, go back and listen again. But Psalm 45 verse 1 says, My heart overflows with a good thing. Everybody's heart overflows with something. <laughs> it's either a good theme or a bad theme. And the theme of my heart uh, that I feel drawn to for 2019 is to lean in to the goodness of God. And uh, as I've kind of, you know, prayed about this year and just sought the Lord for his direction for our church and for my life, um, I've had this idea of leaning in to the goodness of God. And so um, I'm, I'm intentionally writing this theme on my heart. And no matter what's going on in my life, uh, I just want to take the moment and lean in to the goodness of God. Psalm 27, verse 13, there's a few verses that have kind of guided my path in this uh, over the past couple of months, but I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So that's a, that's a good time to lean in. When you feel despair, when you feel discouragement, when you feel you've lost your hope, that's a good time to lean in to the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 31, verse 19 says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. I love this idea that no way have we used up all the goodness that God has stored up for us. And not only is the goodness of God uh, good for our own soul, but the truth is, the Bible says that God's going to bless those who take refuge in him in such a way that the watching world is going to see the goodness of God in our lives. Yes. Jeremiah 31, 14 uh, says this, I will fill the soul of the priest, and we're all priests in the new covenant uh, when we've given our life to Christ. I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. So a couple verses to, to center in on, and today I want to look at a verse, and then the passage it comes out of, Psalm 23, verse 6. It says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's a good verse. You know, just to know that the goodness of the Lord is pursuing us. I'm not pursuing it, but, but it's pursuing me. I'm not chasing after it. It's chasing after me. All the days of my life, the goodness of the Lord is going to pursue me. The goodness of the Lord is going to pursue you. Amen. And this, uh, this, this word goodness could be true. And these are the things that are pursuing us. 
This word could be translated, beautiful things are pursuing us, enjoyable things, good or good things, gracious things, happiness or happy things, pleasant things, prosperity, richer things, what is good. That's what's in pursuit of you and I when the Lord is our shepherd. And that's what I want to talk about today. This verse is taken from Psalm 23, which is a, probably a pretty familiar passage to a, a lot of people who maybe may not be familiar with a lot of the Bible, but uh, you've probably heard this one before, but I want to take a few minutes and talk about it today. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> what a good passage. So let me just start with this idea that verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The context for all of this goodness pursuing us is us owning this idea, the Lord is my shepherd. It's not that the Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And this terminology, this, this picture uh, runs throughout the entire Bible. There literally is a good shepherd. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. To think about the idea that there is a God who loves me, loves you enough to lay down his life for us is a good thing. And I want to just keep us in remembrance of this idea that we're, we're not just plugging into a concept, uh, the goodness of God. We're not just uh, plugging into a principle or like a, a spiritual force. Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. Now, the whole implication of the idea that, that he is the shepherd and we are the sheep is not necessarily a compliment to us because sheep are, uh, are not all that bright. Uh, sheep are mob-driven. In other words, they, they follow the crowd even if the crowd is doing something stupid. Um, sheep are full of fear. Uh, they're very timid. Uh, and on top of being... Uh, full of fear and very timid, they are very stubborn and very stupid. 
And they have, they have no capability, literally, to take care of themselves. They need somebody to take care of them. So just to say, yes, God loves you, but this idea that we need somebody to look after us is a pretty compelling idea. I think about this idea that, you know, as all the years have rolled by for my life, I more appreciate the idea that I don't have control over everything life throws at me. Uh, I, I do make stupid decisions sometimes. I, I do make mistakes. I can be stubborn. Uh, I don't know that I would have the capability to protect myself in every situation of life. And when you start thinking about this idea that everything life could throw at you, everything that could go wrong, everything you don't know, and if you think that you don't know much, then you don't know much. To, to continually remember that I really do need a God to look after me and that he has promised to look after me. <laughs> wow. He, he, he's not just, Jesus is not just an add-on to my capability. It isn't like, oh, I can handle this part of my life, and Jesus, here, you're in this department over here. You're in the church department. You're in the religious department. No, I need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. And, and Jesus has promised to be that. He, he presents himself as that. So when we're looking at the goodness of God, uh, you know, it's one thing when you go, everybody. It's another thing when somebody specific is responsible. And I want to tell you that somebody specific is responsible for goodness to come into your life, and that is Jesus. So, so let's talk about a couple of ways that goodness can show up in our life, that goodness can pursue us when Jesus is our shepherd. Uh, the first idea is this, that goodness shows up in provision for our life. Provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, the word want could be translated lack or be in need or be lacking. And the idea is this, is that Jesus uh, has promised to be our provider. He is a God who not just makes us feel good. He is a God who wants to provide for us. Philippians 4.19, I could read a bunch of verses, but I'll just add this on to the idea that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be lacking. I shall not be in want. I shall get everything that I need. Uh, Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And so, so to get clear about this idea that the source of our provision is God. Now, provision is not just money. 
And I know sometimes we can have a tendency to go straight to that. Um, but provision sometimes is about money, because sometimes you do need money. Hello. But I want to say to you that provision is, is way beyond just money. Provision is the people that you need, the team in your world. Provision is connections that you couldn't cause to happen on your own. Provision is open doors of favor that you never could have opened for yourself. Provision is new insights and new thoughts. In other words, we, we all need we all need the right people on our team in life. We all need the right connections, the right open doors, the right insights to live this abundant life that God has provided. And the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for the people. I shall not lack for the connections. I shall not lack for the open doors. And just remembering that God uses people as channels, you know, God uses jobs as channels, God uses opportunities or gifts or investments or projects or whatever as channels to get his provision to us, but I just want to keep us remembering and understanding what's the channel and what's the source, because God is the source so that I will not be lacking anything, but he, the people that are the channel may not always be the channel. The opportunity, the job, the, the open door that is the channel may not always be the channel. I remember when we first started uh, our church 30 years ago, Suzette and I moved to town, got Tori as our oldest daughter, 15 months old, we got 500 bucks in the bank, and we got this dream about starting a church. We had no people. We, we, had, we didn't know anybody. We had, we had no resources available. And I remember Suzette, after a, you know, a time with the Lord, came to me and said, I believe God's going to resource us through unexpected channels. Well, let me say this. Every channel was unexpected because I had no idea where it was coming from. And I just want to say to you that God can raise up channels for your life, but don't fall in love with the channel because today's channel might not be tomorrow's channel. But today's source will always be Tomorrow's source. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want. Now, let me just say this also. Don't hate on the channels. You love those channels that God puts in your life. You can't lay on the couch all day and quote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. No, you might have to get a job. <laughs> You might have to connect with somebody. You might have to open your mind up to a new idea. But goodness shows up in provision. Second idea 
that I want to talk about is goodness shows up in contentment. Goodness shows up in contentment. I love this picture. Uh, so I actually went to bed thinking about this picture. Psalm 23, 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Come on, can you see yourself? You're just in the field and you're just, yeah, the big green field and the quiet waters and it's just content. The content literally means in a state of peaceful happiness. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> in a state of peaceful happiness. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Contentment is when the equilibrium in your soul is settled. The New Testament talks about this idea. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, I am well content. Everybody say content. I am content. The equilibrium in my soul is good. Even when I'm faced with my own weaknesses. With insults. Like when somebody has an opinion about you. With distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. I mean, you know, that's not the description of a good week. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. And then he takes us further with this, Philippians 4.11. He says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I've learned to be content, to, to be happy within my soul, no matter what circumstances are around me. Now, you got to know that for the Apostle Paul, this was not, this didn't come naturally to him, and that doesn't come naturally to me. And probably for some of you, it doesn't come naturally either, but the truth is, the Apostle Paul, if you remember the story, he was, he was a brilliant scholar. Some people say he literally knew 30 languages. He was one of the top Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was, he was a go-getter. He was persecuting the church. He was, I mean, he was after it. Even after he got saved, the, you know, you read his story in the New Testament, and this, there, was no, there was no grass growing under his feet. He was after it. But he's saying this, I learned how to be content. I entered into a new condition. I've come to learn how to be content. He'd not always known contentment within his own soul. I like this phrase, I've learned, from a guy who's been around for a while. It's a good phrase. It's a good idea to hold on to. That you never think that you know everything. That we all stay lifelong learners. 
contentment. It's the ability to maintain a spiritual equilibrium in, in the midst of both favorable circumstances and adverse circumstances where neither prosperity or adversity throws us off balance. And I've watched both throw people off balance. I've watched people, you know, get so swallowed up with their job and the pursuit that they don't have time for church, they don't have time for God, they don't have time for prayer, they don't have time for worship, they don't have time to serve, they don't, they don't, have, they don't, they don't have time to actually be a Christian. And their prosperity is throwing them off balance. And then I've watched people who entered adversity and had difficulty and had fallen out of the race and fallen out of their place. There's something incredibly powerful about contentment, being independent of external circumstance. Now, the, this idea that is in the Bible it's a, it's a word that the Stoic philosophers used a lot. It was kind of their key concept that nothing happening outside of me is injuring the inner life within me. And Paul had learned, and what the Bible is instructing us to do, I think, is to learn to draw our contentment from the Lord and not from our circumstances. Because the Stoic idea is just divorce yourself from feelings. The less you feel, the better off you are. But contentment is a much greater thing than just turning the feelings off. Contentment is recognizing that no matter what is going on around me, I could still walk in peace. No. No matter what's going on around me, I could choose to walk in joy. I can walk in confidence. I can walk in contentment. I can still move forward. Let me just say, being content doesn't just mean that you just sort of kind of settle in to where you are. You can still have a drive to grow, to expand, to reach for higher ground and higher levels of excellence in your life. But your motivations are different. You're not trying to solve this ache in your soul by some kind of accomplishment or by reaching a certain number, whatever that number might be, whether it's in your career assignment or whether it's finances or whatever. Content is not just we stop moving forward. Contentment is, is going, I'm going to embrace the goodness of God in this moment that I'm in right now. Even when the kids don't let you sleep. Even when the, even when the money feels tight. Even when the plans don't work out the way you thought they should work out, you can still have contentment in your soul. And then the third idea that I want to talk about is how does goodness show up for us is goodness shows up in restoration I love this verse Psalm 23 3 he restores my soul 
God always loves to restore. And his restoration is always to better than before. Everybody experiences loss in life. Uh, it's, it's just a part of the human journey. Sometimes we experience loss because God is pruning us. You know, John 15 talks about if you're, if you're fruitful, he's going to prune you back so that you can bear more fruit. So sometimes God is cutting stuff out of your life. It's, for you, it's very good, but it feels like loss. Sometimes when we lose ground, it's just we were stupid, stubborn sheep. Anybody ever said something stupid? Done something stupid, right? If you're not saying yes now, then you are being stupid right now. But we all make mistakes and we all, you know, have issues that, that happen and sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes we lose stuff because it's other people's choices. Other people, we didn't have any control over what they did. Sometimes it's the devil. <laughs> there is a devil. The Bible says, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. There is a devil. He is a thief. He is a liar. He is a destroyer. And I just think getting a good thought process around loss. Some loss is good. Not all loss is bad. S some loss is, is just normal, right? Some things just need to come to an end. It's okay. That chapter's over. But here's what I want to touch on just for the next few moments. There are those times where we feel like what was rightfully supposed to be ours has been stolen away from us. And what I want to encourage you with today is to remember that whether it was something you've done wrong or what somebody else has done or what the enemy has done or no matter what the reason is, God is a restoring God. Restoration is the story of the Bible. You know, I mean, this, that, I, the whole Bible is people either messing up or the devil entering in or crazy stuff happening. And God's saying, all right, I'm going to fix that. All right, I'm going to fix this. All right, I'm going to fix that. That's his nature. He's a God of restoration. I think one of the guys who, who seem to lose the most, and I don't know that we always have a clear idea of him, is Job. Job, the, when you think of Job, you think of Job's trial. You think of Job had everything taken away from him. He had, he had a family, lost them all, uh, had, a, had a thriving business, lost it all, had health, lost it all. But God enters into his world and does such a restoration job that Job 42, 12, the end of the story for Job is the Lord blessed the latter days of Job, more than the beginning days of Job. So here was Job living with this incredible life. He's got all these kids, and, and they are, they're actually old enough and, and capable enough to throw him a party. To, like, they, like his kids actually paid the bill at the restaurant. 
What? He's got this thriving business. He, he's, he's got his health. And then it all seems to be taken away. And the truth is, nobody knows how long Job's trial was, which is probably a good thing because we'd all compare our trial to his trial and go, well, if Job's trial was a year, then mine will be a year. If Job's trial was 10 years, oh Lord. But the truth is, some, most scholars say his trial of difficulty was under a year. Ever have the year from hell? And, you know, the thing about, I think the good thing about not comparing how long with Job is sort of like, you know, it's like entering the desert. When, you know, there's no signpost that says you're now entering the desert. And then wouldn't it be great if there's another signpost that said about ready to leave the desert? Whew, that would be awesome. But what I'm going to say to you about Job is that he lived long enough to have his children grow up, his business thrive, his health be great, lost it all, and then God restored. Everybody say God restored. God restored to his life. And here's what the Bible says, Job 42, 16. After this, Job lived 140 years. And he saw his sons and his grandsons, four generations. And Job died an old man and full of days. So what I'm saying is, yeah, there was this great period where it seemed the blessing of God was on Job. And then there was this period where it seemed to be stolen, but then there was 140 years of blessed living after the trial. Can I just say, if you have had something stolen, you don't have to get stuck with that as the picture of your life. Your life is a movie. <laughs> it's not just a picture. And Job 42.10 says, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had. Now, double. God is a God of restoration. And let me close with this thought. Restoration is not just the restoration of stuff. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. I think the real impact of stolen is what it does to your soul. Because when things maybe have gone well and then they take a reverse turn, it's easy to lose your confidence. It's easy to lose your expectation. It's easy to start telling yourself the wrong story about yourself, about God, about life. But our great shepherd shows up and says, you know what? I'm going to restore your soul. I'm going to restore your confidence. I'm going to restore your expectation. Come on, anybody 
could use a little provision in their life, could use a little contentment in your life, could use a little restoration. I want to pray together. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. Our team is going to come out in just a moment. I've asked them to lead us into a song because I just want to take a few moments and have us all just lean in individually to the goodness of God. But Father, I'm praying for every person in this room, no matter what has gone on in the past, we are so grateful that there is a shepherd who is committed to us. And as we lean into your goodness for a few moments this morning, I'm asking that you will bring fresh breath, fresh hope, fresh life into every person in this room. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? And can we just take a minute? Maybe you are here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You never said, I want to follow after Jesus. And I want to pray with you that you could enter into that kind of relationship with him. Maybe you're here today and there was a day when you could look back and go, and I used to be so much closer to the Lord than I am today. Today would be a great day to return home. Or maybe you feel unsure about where you stand with God. And I just want to take this moment right now for you just to make that heart move to say, yes, I surrender to Jesus, or yes, I want to come back to my relationship with the Lord, or yes, I want to feel confident that my life is in God's hands. And if that's you... You say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high and just say, that's me. Would you pray for me? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, anybody else just wants to be honest for a moment and just open up your heart and say yes. Just open your heart. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you so much. You can put your hands down now. I just want us to pray this prayer. Let's all pray it together. Uh, This is for everyone who lifted their hand, but let's all just say it together as a church family. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I want my life in your hands. I know I've sinned, I've messed up, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today... It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.